This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Pleasure to be joined by Corey Katanga, Senior Economist with LinkedIn. Corey, pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. Before we dig into the you know the numbers and, and what we've seen out in the labor force, I want to ask you something about LinkedIn first because it's interesting to see how that website has developed in terms of labor and connections. And, and it has been, I think, a very interesting development of this website over the last several years. We've been very fortunate at LinkedIn. The job market really took off in the recovery from the pandemic a period of time that we call the great reshuffle because lots of folks were changing jobs, finding new jobs. And LinkedIn really became a home for a lot of folks to you know, pursue their career development, to find new opportunities. So we've just been really fortunate to be a part of that bigger cycle that's been happening with the workforce. All right. So the labor force remains fairly strong, but what are the patterns on hiring that you're watching out for as the year starts? So what we've seen so far is that the labor market has started to stabilize. The labor market was coming down, especially in terms of the pace of hiring, for about the last year and a half. So we saw decent jobs reports. We saw blockbuster jobs reports from time to time. But the labor market was steady, gradually slowing down. But what we've seen is that it's actually started to stabilize now. So at LinkedIn, we see hiring is up about 5 to 6% from November to December, and we've seen hiring start to level out. It's no longer descending the way that it was. So right now it looks like the labor market is stabilizing, it's holding steady, the number of people quitting jobs, the number of people being hired. These all seem to be moving along at a much steadier pace. Does it appear that companies are more focused than they have been in the past on trying to help develop the careers of their employees, especially within their own firms? Well, they certainly should be, because this year we actually see that about two-thirds of workers say they're refocusing on their career growth, and 85% of workers are actually considering changing new jobs for either more money or for better work-life balance. So if you're an employer and you're not focused on your current talent pool, your current set of workers, that might not be a great idea starting 2024 because workers are refocusing on their careers and looking for better opportunities. When you see the listings on LinkedIn, how much are you seeing remote work or hybrid work uh, being factored into the listings there? So there, I've actually seen a few stories that say remote work is dead. It's, it's not, you know, it doesn't exist anymore. That's not true. About 9% of the paid job postings on LinkedIn are still remote. About 13% are hybrid. So hybrid's really taken a dominant share now in terms of flexible work. But remote is still there, and I don't think it's going anywhere. What, what, what industries are seemingly uh, more focused on allowing remote or hybrid work these days? The number one industry for remote work, as you could guess, is tech. Tech has just yeah. developed a lot of the products for remote work. And you can imagine that since they've developed these products, they actually use them themselves. So tech is really the top industry for remote work in the U.S. In terms of hybrid, we actually see there's more variety there. So utilities is a big industry for hybrid. And we're talking jobs like engineering, uh, a lot of administrative roles. So when it comes to hybrid jobs, there's a lot more options out there. When it comes to remote jobs, tech is number one, followed by jobs in professional services and administrative services. 
where's the financial industry in all this? Because that's an industry where some companies were very open about making the call back for employees back into the office. So finance is actually about in the kind of three to four range in terms of offering remote and hybrid work. So there has been a lot of press, a lot of headlines about finance getting workers back into the office, but that's not actually what we're seeing in reality. They still are offering some flexible work. You also have a focus on small business. What will hiring look like in this sector for the year, do you think? So this year coming up, we expect small businesses to potentially continue to outperform large businesses in terms of hiring. So what we've seen over the last year and a half is that a lot of large businesses have really been driving the hiring slowdown. But small businesses, even though they've slowed down hiring, everyone has. They haven't slowed it down by as much. So small businesses are really the backbone of the American economy. So I expect that if interest rates come down, if financial conditions start to relax better for these smaller businesses, they get more access to capital, they will continue to be driving a lot of the hiring we're seeing in the U.S. Right. And and that seems to be the, the theme, I think, in general around the labor force is that there are quite a few unknowns that are still in play here uh, in terms of the economy. And depending on how those unknowns uh, tilt one way or the other, uh, we could be looking at two different stories, it feels like. Definitely. There are risks associated with the economy this year, but the risks are balanced. I think that's the key thing to keep in mind. So we do have an economy where recession risk is elevated, but right now it doesn't look like a recession is on the cards. But there are going to be certain risks associated with the economy. For example, we look at the jobs report every month. What's really been driving the jobs report lately has been government and healthcare. And healthcare is actually driven a lot by government spending from COVID. And we're going to see those funds start to run out this year. So that's a risk we could see in the labor market. We start to see pullbacks from healthcare, pullbacks from government in terms of adding workers to their workforce. We might see some not so great payroll numbers. But healthcare has been an industry that has, you know, seen pretty solid and continued growth for more than a decade now uh, from everything from the shift to more technology brought into the healthcare industry uh, to the impact from the pandemic with so many nurses uh, and doctors leaving and you need to replace them uh, to the other concerns around the aging population. I, I, I assume that that's a sector that really doesn't have a, a an element of a slowdown in it right now? In the long term, healthcare is certainly going to be growing. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, I think the second fastest growing occupation is going to be nurse practitioners, which we also see on this year's jobs on the rise list from LinkedIn. So there are plenty of roles in healthcare that are going to continue to grow and continue to outpace all other jobs. But there also are challenges. Bankruptcies, for example, in healthcare are up about fivefold compared to 2022. And part of that is just that there was a lot of money flowing into healthcare during COVID, and a lot of that money is now being pulled back. So healthcare is not completely immune from changes in the economy, but it is one of those industries because we have an aging population that is just going to continue to explode over the years. And and that continued strength of the labor market uh, shown out also in the weekly claims numbers. I mean, we've continued to be right around 200,000 most weeks, uh, and this past week, obviously, uh, even less than that. That's right. So initial claims, which is usually a proxy for layoffs, is still pretty steady. 
we see that layoffs overall are quite low, even by historical terms. Continued claims, also fairly steady. They've risen a bit towards the tail end of 2023, but still pretty steady. And unemployment is still in that 3.7, 3.9% range. So we're not seeing any major trouble in terms of people not being able to find work. Let me ask you about another sector that we talk about a lot on our show uh, is manufacturing. And it's certainly an industry where there's a lot of focus right now on uh, the potential build out of the chips industry here in the United States in the years ahead. I think there's a, a belief that manufacturing has the opportunity to really have the rebirth that a lot of people have been hoping it would have since it was the giant that it was going back a few decades. Manufacturing has been declining, as you said, for the last few decades in terms of their overall share of employment. But what we have seen is that there's been some recent strength in manufacturing. So, for example, it's one of the top three strongest industries that we saw on LinkedIn in December. The main challenge for manufacturing is that it is a very cyclical sector. So higher interest rates really clamp down on people's demand for goods. And what we saw during the pandemic is there was a lot of pent-up demand for goods, not so much demand for services. And that has really reversed in the last year and a half as people wanted more services and less goods. And so that has really taken a toll on manufacturing. I'll finish up with this. How is technology going to impact, you think, the labor markets longer term? And, and when you say that, obviously, there are so many components that obviously could factor in. Right now, what we're really focusing on at LinkedIn is trying to understand exposure because we don't necessarily know what the impact of some new technologies, take generative AI, for instance, is going to be, because that's going to depend on a variety of things that we don't have clear vision in yet. But if we can understand how exposed different jobs are, we can get some sense of whether they're going to be impacted or not. So what we're seeing right now at LinkedIn is there are some jobs that, for example, relative to generative AI, they have more exposure than others. And then there are some jobs like doctors, dentists, nurses, where we think maybe they'll get some complementary benefits uh, from generative AI being able to automate some administrative tasks or do note-taking. But for the most part, they're pretty insulated from the impacts. And then there are going to be some jobs that are going to be much more impacted. For example, uh, if you're a media specialist, being able to use a tool that allows you to search records and archives and provides you with a summary easily, that can be pretty helpful uh, in terms of workforces being able to use that without needing to contact a specialist. So we're just trying to understand broadly on the overall market, what are the roles that are potentially going to be impacted by the new technology coming on the market? Great to talk with you today. Thanks very much for your time, uh, Corey. All the best. Thanks for having me. Corey Katanga, who's Senior Economist with LinkedIn. To explore more content from the Wharton School, visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.